In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hillgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host Boss Dog. And tonight we also have a special guest, uh, former Georgia defensive back Aaron Davis is hanging with us last night. So as I usually say, Boss, bark at the people, but also Aaron, bark at the people. Yeah, appreciate you for having me, man. Well, so thanks for joining us. And we had talked a little bit off air about this, but why don't you update everybody on what you have going on? You've had some change in your life since the last time we talked to you. So why don't you tell everybody what you got going on? Sure. Yeah, I was working as a commercial real estate analyst for a CBRE phenomenal company. But um, me being the ambitious guy that I am, I decided to come back to UGA. Uh, I had to be a double dog. Um, knew that all the great dogs here would take care of me. But yeah, I'm I'm back here on campus. Uh, get my degree and my master's degree in business analytics. Um, and that's going wonderful. And I'm also happy to say that I'm a graduate assistant uh, with our sales and marketing department. So those are great as well. Um, I'm glad that I'm back on campus. It's like, it's, it's all the memories and all the great times of being in the classic city. Yeah, that's fantastic. So when did you, when did you move back into Athens? I came back in August. At the start of August, um, classes officially began on August 20th. But my program, we had a couple like introductory boot camps type things. So we were doing we were doing some work about a week week and a half before. But uh, I got here at the beginning of August. Oh, that's cool. And is the is the grad program through Terry or, or which school is Terry? It? Terry, Terry, gotta love Terry. They always yeah. take care of us. Um, even as an undergrad in finance, um, Terry. I mean, they're just wonderful. And now. I mean, when I left, there was only like one building up in the business uh, community. Now there's like six, all six of them, they're all completed. So it's just, it's amazing to see what they're able to do for the uh, business students. Well, that's fantastic, man. I was so happy to um, see that on your LinkedIn earlier this month. So just so fired up for you. And um, obviously we know you'll do great. And uh, as you always have represent the dog so well. So thanks for hanging out with us tonight. And fellas, it's game week. Like yeah. we got, we got some football this week, boys. Like yeah. this is, this is great. Um, well, so look, dogs all opening up in Fayetteville, opening up with Pig Suey playing Arkansas. I think first time in Fayetteville since 2009, Joe Cox, 2009. Was that last time the boys were out West in Arkansas? Not no. the last time I played Arkansas, but last time we were actually in Arkansas for a game. Is that 2014, right? 2014, we, um, I was a part of that game and uh, we played at Arkansas. Oh, nice. I didn't see. I was thinking that one was at our place. Okay. All right. Perfect. So I hadn't been as long as I thought. I was thinking mm-hmm. with these SEC long gaps between um, between going to the West Stadium. So mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a name out there for you boys, and I want you all to tell me what comes to mind if I say this name. If I say the name Brandon Burlesworth, what does that mean to you all? Ooh, I'm coming up empty. Oh, See, this should be this should be especially noteworthy for Aaron because Aaron was a semifinalist for the Brandon Bur- Burlesworth Trophy in 2017. Big old glasses, the Walk On Award. It is the it is the award for the 
It is the best walk-on in America. That's right. That's right. You know why? You know why? I, I guess I kind of blocked that out because I didn't win. <laughs> but it's like when I saw like Baker Mayfield in there, I was like, "Come on, you know." Yeah. They're gonna so, get to him, so I was looking. I was looking at it while we were getting ready for the show, and Luke Falk, the quarterback from Washington State, the guy who won it that year. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Baker was he was a, he was a, he, I guess he had won it the year before. Yeah. And then he was a, uh, a finalist that year. But, yeah, Aaron was top 10 in the country, man. That's, that's cool. That means um, also, I will tell you guys, they did a movie on him. If y'all, if y'all are not familiar with his story, it is incredible. Uh, he was born and raised in Arkansas, grew up like a diehard Razorback fan. And, um, you know, not, not supernaturally gifted, but was just so determined and dedicated to play football for the Razorbacks and um, walked on there. And ended up getting a scholarship and was drafted, I believe, in the first round by the Colts. Um, and then tragically passed away in a car accident mm. about one week after minicamp with the Colts. Uh, but they ended up making a movie about his life. And it's on Netflix. And I think the movie is called... Oh, I'm going to watch that this weekend. It is really, really good. Um, and kind of the beautiful thing to it is uh, he was just so devout in his faith. Mm -hmm. And so that is weaved throughout it. His, his father had problems with alcohol and was not very involved in his life. And so his older brother essentially was his father figure. Uh, just a beautiful story. Uh, it's one of those ones where, you know, if, if you're not comfortable with your lady, don't watch it with her because you're going to be crying. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, it's awesome. Definitely worth a watch. I, I, I just, I can't remember what it was what the name of it is, but if you, if you do like a Google search for Brandon Burlesworth story, um, it'll tell you what it is. And I either saw it on Netflix or on Amazon prime, one of the two, but definitely worth your time. Um, it's, on Netflix. it's called greater, greater. That's what okay. it is. That's what it okay. is. Yeah. So really cool story. Um, definitely worth a watch, but thought I'd bring that up since Aaron's got that connection. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, they're going to be starting Felipe Franks at quarterback mm -hmm. on Saturday afternoon. Um, and Aaron, you have some experience against him. I mean, what do you remember playing against him and what kind of challenges could he present as quarterback on Saturday? Um, we played against them. Uh, I don't believe he had that good of a game versus us. He did, he did he not. He did not. <laughs> not at all. And, and I'm actually upset because during that game, we were at Florida. And, I mean, he's he's huge. He's like 6'6 six, six or whatever. He – they claimed he was going down, and so it's like he threw an ill-advised pass, and I caught it, and it would have been an interception for a touchdown, but they brought it back because they claimed he was already sacked, even though when I go back and watch film, he was still standing up, but, you know, that that is what it is. But beyond me, um, I'm sure he's matured by now um, to, to hopefully be a better player, um, but I know, you know, we, we had a good out in that game, and uh, – also heard a couple uh, some chatter from some some Florida wide receivers that weren't too happy about uh, their performance. But you know you you love it. You gotta love when you make some Florida Gators uh, upset and mad during a game. So absolutely, yeah. So he had two career starts versus the Dogs, and Aaron, you played against him in one of the two seventeen. I mean, y'all just walked a dog on the Gators, forty two seven. He was seven and 19, 30 yards and a pick. I'm pretty sure. Um, pretty sure Dominic Sanders had to pick against him in that game. And then 
maybe you should have had two. I mean, yeah. I mean, would have been forty nine seven. That would have been that would have been a nice little swan song in Jacksonville for you. Yeah. Um, and then at, at two thousand eighteen, came back and and Georgia won thirty six seventeen. Um, and he had just a a very pedestrian night that day as well. So I feel like at least that piece of it, you got to feel good about the game plan that Georgia is going to have on defense against him. Um, big guy though. I mean, do you remember that when you played him? Is he pretty physically imposing guy? Yeah, he's he's pretty big. Um, I mean, he he was one of the the, the bigger quarterbacks between like him, Nick Fitzgerald, and then. I don't remember his name, but Kentucky had one quarterback like way back in 2014. He was like huge. He was like six six. Uh, those are probably like the biggest quarterbacks that we actually face. So I mean, he he looks the part, but you know you gotta you gotta have that production um, on the field as well. I also remember a bad moment from him when uh, they were playing Miami, and he was doing a lot of celebration on the sideline, and then threw like a pick the next play. So that's that's karma for you. But I'm sure he's he's learned and matured since then. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys too, where um, he's almost like Hunter Renfro, right? Feels like he's been playing college football for like yeah. ten years. Yeah, like I, about me yeah. too. Well, I just feel like he's been around for. I mean, some of that, I guess, is he had the injury, had the ankle last mm-hmm. year, and then obviously um, Kyle Trask comes on and does what he does, mm-hmm. and so Felipe left. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to Boss about this one of the one of the episodes before. Did you happen to watch any of the twenty four seven series that HBO did last year on the four different college football programs? They did like an episode each on Florida, Penn State, um, Washington State, and Arizona State. So it's like an hour episode, mm-hmm. kind of like Hard Knocks for each one of those schools. And the Florida one was when he got injured. Uh, so it was, it was interesting to kind of see the behind the scenes mm-hmm. interaction with Dan Mullen and and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that, that piece of it will be interesting. I think the dogs will be ready. I mean, Boss and I have talked about this a bunch in the lead up, and I'd love to get your opinion on it. It just seems like this defense, it, out of all the years that Coach Smart has been there, they're loaded. Yeah. I mean, they just have talent on the two deep and really at some positions on the three deep. And I just think they are going to be a monster defense. What are your thoughts going into this? I agree. I think any time you run into a situation where you have a bunch of your starters returning, that's kind of gets the feel of what we had in 2017. So it's like when you get a bunch of guys who are returning and already had some playing experience, that's going to bode well for you. And um, I mean, you know, these guys, they've been in the system. It's not like they're just a bunch of freshmen coming in, you know, like chickens with their head cut off. Um, they, they've been in the system. They have some playing time. And we have a bunch of balls on defense. I'll tell you what, I get upset myself. Um, I think we're finally starting to get some of the credit. But it's like every year, man, I, I just hear all the narratives in the in the media saying how, like, you know, Georgia has, like, they just play good team defense. They don't really have any superstars on defense. I'm like. I mean, every year we would have top five. We'd be top five in across the board in statistical categories. Um, and to say that we don't have any superstars on defense is is ludicrous to me. But I'm I'm glad that a lot of our guys are starting to get their shine, which they definitely deserve. I mean, they worked their tails off since the moment they've been on campus. And I know the coaches staff and the strength staff, they're gonna hold them accountable to make those guys the best players as possible. But I'm 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 excited. I mean, I'm a defensive guy, so you know, I, I love seeing all the points that we've been putting up uh, the last few years. But, you know, I, I love to see the shutout games on defense. That's that's what I live for. So I want to talk to you a little bit. This kind of a dovetail question, and you'll see why in a minute. But uh, just got done, or not just got done, but about 
three or four days after we got it in the mail, just got done reading Seth Emerson's book, Attack the Day, mm-hmm. uh, which you were obviously prominent in. A lot of, lot of quotes and stuff from you. First off, just just speak on that experience and what it was like being involved in that project and kind of getting to talk about your time there and, and, and the magic of that run in 17. It was great. It was great. I mean, Seth, he was one of the one of the really good reporters that I had experience with. Um, uh, I mean, he reached out to me um, and then we had multiple conversations. Um, I mean, I even had a follow up conversation with him about a different topic, but he's a great guy. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that he was able to get out there and share that story, because I think that was kind of a, a, a magical season for us. So um, I'm excited for him. I'm glad that he's been out there and I've been seeing a lot of positivity uh, in return for it. Yeah, we have too. I feel like the love from Dog Nation has been great for him. I've seen it a bunch on social. Um, One of the things I found interesting at the time while things were going on in 17 and then it's reiterated in the book, Seth used to talk a lot about the leadership core Mm -hmm. on that 17 team, which obviously you were a part of. And I think the book evidences this is that that was a very player driven leadership Mm. group, right. And accountability amongst the senior leaders. And it seems like from the verbiage coming out of whether it be coach March press conferences or some of the other sound bites we've heard that that is present this year as well, which is obviously in some ways a byproduct of the seniority on the team and the guys being upperclassmen. But do you see that in the things you've consumed from the program this off season? And do you think that there's a chance for that leadership magic to kind of shine this year as well? I do. I do. Um, I mean, in, in the ultimate world, you would, you would love for your quarterback to kind of have that, but I mean, we have a unique experience at quarterback, but um, I'm sure whoever it is will find their way in there, but it's like, Leadership doesn't have to only come from the quarterback. I know that's kind of a big thing in the NFL where you want your quarterback to be the guy and, and he's the one always out in front of media. But, um, I mean, you have great players everywhere in college football. And um, and, and the person that stands out to me the most has to be uh, Richard LeCount. I mean, coming in, he was uh, a goof a little bit. <laughs> Not in a bad way at all. He was just a really funny guy. And it's like – Sometimes you got to know when you turn it on and when you turn it off. And I, I feel like from what I've been seeing out of him, I mean, he's matured tremendously. And I mean, he's he's to me, he's one of the faces of the defense, um, deservingly so, first and foremost, for his play out there on the field. Um, he's a special talent. And just for him to have the leadership qualities to lead the guys out there and, and to be the quarterback of the defense uh, really speaks out to him. So he, he's one person I want to highlight. But um I mean, if 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 I know the team to be anything like how it was uh, a Coach Smart run team, I mean, they're going to have leaders sprinkled everywhere and, and they're not always vocal. I mean, you think about someone like Nick Chubb for our team. He wasn't the most vocal guy. I mean, we joke on him all the time how he, he doesn't talk or smile and stuff like that. Um, but he was one of the, the, the main leaders for the team. Um, and, and first and foremost, he would lead by example. So I know they're there all over the uh, the, the, the roster. So I'm happy to see that. And uh, I think it's going to really, really help out the team this year. I'm glad you brought up Richard because I think it brings up a valuable point. I think a lot of the times you have coaches and some people take it how they take it. But in my experience and in boss's experience with athletics, and especially I think with football coaches, they tend to be the hardest on the guys that they think have the highest ceiling Mm -hmm. and have the most potential. And I think Coach Smart's relationship with Richard since he's been there is I think Coach has always seen the big ceiling that Richard has. 
And at times it's come off as he's like super hard on Richard. You know, it, mm-hmm. the videos come out of him calling him Rat Trap Richie and all that kind yeah. of stuff because he's like taking the bait and all this stuff. But like, I think that's because he knows mm-hmm. what a talent he is and what he can be. And it just seems to me with the sound bites that Coach Smart has let out this offseason that Richard's like right where mm-hmm. Coach always thought he could be. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're a consumer of the program and a fan of the program, you got to be fired up about that. Because, I mean, look, you can't you can't watch the game, whether you're in person or on TV, and not see Richard Flash. I mean, think about that 2018 SEC championship game. I mean, he was on defense, yeah. a difference maker. Yeah. And to have that kind of leadership and captain in that secondary, whew, boy, I, I, it's exciting, man. I just think we have talked so much. I, that defense, I just think, has an opportunity if everybody stays healthy and they play as a unit. I mean, look, y'all's group in 17 was magic. It really was. I mean, y'all were, y'all were really special. And I think this group has that opportunity too. So, you know, first chapter this week. So we'll kind of, we'll kind of see what kind of foot they get off on. I think another interesting topic this week is it's kind of a little bit of the last chance U bowl, right? So Arkansas has got, um, has got Rakeem Boyd at running back. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously went to independence and his teammate at independence was, Georgia linebacker Jermaine Johnson. So um, that's kind of, I feel like, a little interesting storyline. And I feel like Rakeem is there. He's their guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to be their bell cow. And with your experience with Coach Pittman, what do you expect them to do offensively? I mean, do you expect them to try to to line up and and punch in the mouth and and run the football? Or or what do you you expect from a a Coach Pittman coach team? I I think first and foremost, um, they're going to be physical. I mean, I think that was, even when we played Arkansas, they had some really great running backs with Alex Collins. Um, but it's like they're going to be physical. That's something that I know he's going to bring to the table. He's I know he's going to challenge them. Um, I would expect them to run the ball more just because, uh, I mean, that's just how, how it is. I mean, if you're an offensive line guy, I know the offensive linemen themselves, they get fired up about the run uh, and getting those pancake blocks. So um, I would expect to see a lot of that. But, I mean, like I said, I would expect them to be very, very physical and, and not be ones that shy away from contact or necessarily timid or scared that they're playing against Georgia. I think the interesting thing, too, about kind of those two competing storylines with Rakeem Boy and with Jermaine Johnson is both took two different paths to their current D1 homes, right? Um, mm-hmm. Rakeem was highly recruited at a high school, went to Texas A&M, just wasn't a fit. And so goes to independence to kind of reset and, and figure out where he's going to land and ends up at Arkansas. And Jermaine was not highly recruited out of Minnesota. Grades were not great. And so he went to independence to kind of establish himself. Also didn't know this till I did the research, did not know that Jermaine was from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Uh, mm. I know boss is a wrestling fan. Aaron, did you watch wrestling growing up? Like you like wrestling? I didn't. I actually didn't like wrestling. So look, there's this. I was like one of the only one. So there's this guy that wrestled for years. He was like one of he wrestled Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, all these guys. Sergeant Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter went to the same high school as Jermaine Johnson. So that's oh, wow. that's Eden Prairie's claim to fame is Sergeant Slaughter yeah. and Jermaine Johnson. So hey, that, that, that's there. that's the fact that y'all didn't need tonight, but I'm supplying it to you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all we were going to go down some rabbit holes tonight. You, you were promising rabbit holes. I said so, it. I warned y'all what was going to happen. I warned y'all. Um, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Aaron, just because you have obviously in-depth experience with it and kind of can kind of give a very unique viewpoint on it. Weird year, right? 
um, not just for everybody in their day-to-day lives and, and dealing with things, but if you're trying to prepare for a football season, uh, I think you would speak to this, that athletes in general, especially football players, are creatures of habit. Um, mm-hmm. There's not been a lot of opportunity for normal habits and schedule this year. How do you think that will affect not only Georgia, but also the other teams and kids getting ready to play this season? Um, I think I think it affects maybe your social life more than it affects um, your play with football. I mean, I know it's it's probably a definitely weird dynamic of, you know, wearing the mask and, you know, the different equipment um, issues that you run into. Um, but I think, I mean, the in my experience, the good ones, the cream of the crop, um, I mean, little, little things matter outside of, you know, what's going on on the field. And, and, and the best ones are able to rise above it and kind of adapt to whatever situation that happens. I mean, you, you think about um, our team of, you know, having Jacob Eason at the start of the season and then he goes down and then Jake Fromm is in. And so it's like, you know, guys know that different different things are going to happen to the team. I mean, someone catching it would be catastrophic to me. I mean, it'd be really bad to me, but it's like, that's just, that's the same as like someone getting a, a bad injury. So it's like, you know, you have to be prepared. It's always a next man up mentality. And, you know, the, the people who are out there, I mean, they have to just understand that, you know, this this is different. It's going to be different. Um, this is what we know going, going ahead before we even start. And so it's like, you know, with these things that we already know, how are we going to uh, deal with that? And, and one of the one of the great quotes that I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he made it up or not, but Coach Mark he used to say all the time, it's like, you know, so, uh, it was like, what, so what, now what, something like that. So it's like, you know, that's just kind of how, that's kind of the life that we live as uh, football players. Do you think that Georgia is in, I don't know if better is the right word, but maybe a more, I don't even know if prepared is the right word because everybody has great people, but I just feel mm-hmm. like having Ron Corson in the position that he's in. Yeah. So, I mean, speak on that and the importance of him to that program and the value that he adds, especially in a time like this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't say enough good things about uh, Ron Corson. I mean, I mean, I, I was some years ago, he got elected to some kind of Hall of Fame. So it's like, I didn't even know there was a Hall of Fame for like sports medicine, but I mean, he definitely deserves to be in it. Um, I was talking to Malcolm Mitchell one time and he was saying how, you know, he saw him in a textbook. <laughs> so it's like uh, Ron Corson, he's he he means so much to, to the University of Georgia. Um, everything he's done, not for just me personally, but all the student athletes there. Um, he's so loving, so caring, always taking care of guys. And I mean, he he's a man. who He just knows what he's doing. I mean, he's been doing it for a while. Um, he's he's top class of, of, of what he does. So I think. You know, that just helps UGA to prepare themselves to to be in the best situation as possible. I mean, they're, they're of course, like everyone's running into things that no one even had plans for. But if, if there's anybody that I would think could get the job done, it's Ron Corson. Yeah, to, to kind of go off of that, obviously 
Dominic Blaylock's coming off his ACL tear in the SEC mm-hmm. championship game and then unfortunately tears the ACL again in practice. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you have unique perspective on that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had any opportunity to correspond with him, but if you have or if you haven't, um, what what would you say to him or what words of encouragement would you offer him kind of to let him know that there's, there's light at the end of that tunnel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel really bad. I actually I, I thought about reaching out to him. But I just decided not to because I didn't know how, you know, he would take it or anything like that. I figured he probably had a bunch of people that were going to reach out to him. But, you know, maybe that he's further down along. I might take some time to just see if he if he would be open and talk. But, I mean, if I had to say something to him, I would just, you know, encourage him to kind of take, you know, whatever path he feels he's more most comfortable with. But also understand that. You know, th- this is not the end for you. I mean, I tore my ACL twice, and I was still able to get into Georgia and have a successful career. Um, he's in a better position than I was in because, I mean, I tore mine twice in high school, and I had to deal with that kind of um, care. But it's like you're at you're at University of Georgia with once again with Ryan Corson, so it's like he's going to do everything he needs to to get you back and make sure you're healthy before you uh, are out there competing again. But for me, I would just say uh, learn from what you you knew the first time. I mean, since this is your second time going through this, you somewhat already have a roadmap. And that was the thought process that, that I had. So I said, OK, this is what I did the first time. I can improve on that now that I already know. I know what to expect. Um, and that just helped me. I mean, the first time it took me, what, like eight months to come back. The second time I, I played a game in like six months and in, in, in a couple of weeks. So it's like I probably shouldn't have done that. But. Um, just the fact that I was able to come back and be more confident in myself. Um, so I would just tell him to learn from what you know, from what you, the mistakes or anything that you learned from the first time um, and apply that going forward and just, just stay positive. Have, have people to cling on to, uh, use your support group because I'm sure they're, whether it's teammates, trainers, family, um, everybody, they're out there, um, use your support group. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I never really would have thought about that, that having that experience before would be beneficial going forward because you kind of know what the threshold is and, and what's a, what's a hurt and what's a, oh, wait, that's too far. I don't want to do that. Um, so it almost allows allows you to push yourself some more. So I, I think that's great counsel and, and obviously wise wise words on that. So, um, well, look, I think we should I think we should talk about the broad slate of games this week because we got we got seven SEC games, boys. Like this is like yeah. kind of like Christmas yeah. in September. I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen some SEC football. Now I, I've watched college football every weekend. But I'm like, these games are great, but it's just to me, it's not the same when I watch the SEC game. It's just not the same. Yeah. So um, we have this is what we're going to plan to do this year. We'll just tell the listeners we are planning to have a guest like Aaron each week, and we're going to have ten games on our slate. Uh, we're going to try and do every SEC game every week because look, it's the SEC. Mm-hmm. We're obviously going to pick those, and then kind of sprinkle in three wild card games, maybe something that's interesting. Kind of a weird slate this week. Even the SEC games, I feel like there's not really like a monster mashup matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, so we picked three. The first one that we picked was Georgia Southern. Against, I'm gonna call them Louisiana Lafayette. They just call them Louisiana mm-hmm. now, but look, it's the Raging Cajuns. It's Louisiana Lafayette. Like that's what I'm gonna call. Yeah. So, I mean, what's your thoughts, Aaron? Who do you think's gonna win that? Who, do you think? Do you think the, the Raging Cajuns will cover? What do you think's gonna happen? That Raging Cajuns favored by 13 and a half mm-hmm. in that game. Noon kick. I do think they'll pull it out. I mean, they they had a scare last weekend, um, almost losing to Georgia State, but I think their resiliency 
will, will definitely help them sharpen themselves up so they could be better prepared for this game this week. So I, I think they probably will cover the spread. I haven't really heard too much um, uh, noise uh, out of Georgia Southern in the past few years. They almost beat us in like, what was that, like 2015? It was it was a scare yeah, yeah. for us going against That's them. Right. But um, I haven't really heard too many upsets from them lately. So I think I'm going to take uh, uh, Louisiana Lafayette to cover the spread. How about you, boss? Who you got? You know I got Louisiana Lafayette. <laughs> covering, covering Taking the cages. Yeah, I like Louisiana Lafayette too. I think the I think noon kick's gonna be a little bit different animal this year, right? Because um mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be the team's kind of impetus to get ready, right? I, I don't think teams mm-hmm. are gonna be able to rely on that home field juice, which I think is what kind of yeah. bites you a little bit on noon kicks if you're the home team, right? Is that fans are still kind of filtering in the atmosphere is not there and maybe the road team gets a little bit of an opportunity to get momentum. But obviously with, with the lack of fans and I feel like the lack of regular atmosphere this year, I don't think it's going to be as big of a factor. So I don't think Georgia Southern is going to sneak up on anybody. Um, So yeah, I'm with you boys. I like, I like Louisiana Lafayette. I think the raging Cajuns will cover and continue, continue their, uh, their good start to the season. All right. I was going to say, I also think they have a, an extra motivation this year with, with what happened with Coach Looney. I mean, that was that was, that was was definitely unexpected. Um, I think the team is going to have some, a little bit of extra uh, motivation to, uh, you know, play for him and, and his spirit, which they should. And, I mean, Georgia will probably feel that too. I know a lot of guys on that team, I don't know how much crossover they have, but, I mean, uh, he was great while I was there. So it's just like um, – Really unfortunate situation, but I think they'll kind of use that to, to fuel their season. Oh, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, Coach Lane was obviously beloved. I thought a lot of the tributes that came mm-hmm. out um, were just beautiful. And yeah, that's a great point. I had not I had not thought about that, but that is that is a really really good point. I agree with that. Oh, that'll be interesting to watch as the season goes on because that could be kind of a magical thing for them to mm-hmm. kind of play play in his memory and, and rock and roll. So that that's fantastic. All right, second game we have is. Kind of, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but Army having a good season so far and, and playing Cincinnati, who I think at one point Desmond Howard picked to be his college football playoff sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Cincinnati, again, favored by 13 and a half, same as, same as Louisiana Lafayette was. Aaron, who do you like in that one? Yeah, I mean, maybe Desmond Howard has some, some really inside information that we don't all have, but <laughs> – I think Cincinnati would be good to go in this game. I'm not sure about playoff uh, contender. Boss, who, who you got? As much as I, I want to take Army in this one, I, I just I can't. I, I think since he rolls yeah. in this one pretty easy. I think it's going to be sloppy in the beginning, but I, th- I think since he rolls in this one, uh, takes, it, takes it over late. Y'all are all on the Bearcats bus. All on the Bearcats bus. I'm not taking Army to win straight up, but I am going to take Army to cover. I'm going to take them to cover. Look, triple option, tough, yeah. tough to deal with. Um, you know, and look, that's that's the other coach Monken. So I, I'm I'm rolling with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm rolling with the family connection on that. So we're, we're we're I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Black Knights to cover. I'm not gonna say they're gonna win outright, but. I feel I feel good about it to cover. All right, this is this is one I think is really interesting, and mainly because of what happened last weekend, and because West Virginia hadn't played in so long. But got West Virginia going to to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State to play the Pokes, and Oklahoma State's favored by eight and a half. Um, obviously had a tough game last week. Well, I would think tighter than most people thought it was going to be. Um, starting quarterback gets injured. 
Uh, only put up 16 points last week, which for a Mike Gundy team, it's kind of even weird to see that number. Um, what are your thoughts, Aaron? Who you got in that one? Ooh, I think I'm still going to ride with Oklahoma State. Boss, what you think? Yeah. They looked in disarray last week. And I know it's it's early in the season, but I mean, I'm going to go with the Mounties on this one. I I think that they I, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. I I think they're going to cover eight, I think they'll cover eight and a half. And I mean, the 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 way that they played last week, I just I did not like what I saw from 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 Oklahoma State. I don't know. I it was weird. I was looking at this earlier and I was thinking, you know, I think I'm going to take West Virginia. They haven't played in a couple weeks. The, the Eastern Kentucky game was kind of a nice tune-up. I mean, they they came out and put up a lot of points. And I feel like West Virginia always has explosive athletes on the edge and, and has the potential to score points. Um, but I don't know. I feel like last week was maybe a wake-up call. I feel like that was kind of a sleepwalk a little bit. You got Tulsa coming in. It's like, no, we can't really get up for this. Like we talked about earlier, you're not having that built-in atmosphere of the guys smacking the, the what is it, the padding there. I mean, Oklahoma State, I feel like they're literally like right on the sideline. All the fans are. It just seems like such a tight playing field. Um, so maybe they maybe they just weren't weren't up, weren't, weren't ready. Uh, but, you know, they have one of the most talented players in the country at running back, and you can't hide talent. That's going to shine eventually. Um, I think mm-hmm. Shuba comes out and has a big game. And, uh, yeah, I think they cover. So, so I like the pokes too. Um, all right, SEC slate. We're going to start with the hated Gators. Oh. Gators got to go into the Grove and play Ole Miss. And Florida's favored by 14 and a half. Aaron, what do you, what do you think is mm-hmm. going to happen in that game? Uh, I, me personally, I think I've been seeing a lot of press clippings about Florida, a lot of predictions for them to win the SEC. Um, I got them winning, but I, but I do, I do think Ole Miss is going to be able to cover that spread. I think, Florida, they're going to need a little little bit of a wake-up call before they actually get into gear. Um, and I think towards the end of the game, they're, just their talent is going to take over for them. But I, I do think Florida will win this game. But I, but I, I don't know if it's, it's going to be um, uh, by more than 15 points. How about you, boss? I could not have said it better myself. I completely agree. I think that yeah. I, the only thing that scares me on this is we don't know who Ole Miss is going to start a quarterback yet, whether it's going to be um, Corral or John yeah. Reese Plumley um, or John Rice Plumley. Not sure how you say say that. Uh, that kind of scares me a little bit. Um, if it was Plumley, I would feel a lot more confident in this pick. But I, I definitely think Ole Miss will cover this. I do think Florida will win, but I, I do think Ole Miss will cover the fourteen and a half. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think Ole Miss is going to cover for sure. Um, obviously, like you said, boss, a little bit the uncertainty at, at quarterback makes you a little bit nervous. But two things is, you know, look, I, I think Lane Kiffin is an offensive mastermind in a lot of ways, right? And he's going to have the most talent that he's had athletically since he was at Alabama. Um, so I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what he's going to do with that. I think regardless of what direction they go at quarterback, still a lot of athleticism with either one of those guys. Both can move the pocket. Both can run, make some plays on their own. Um, so I think they could be dangerous offensively. And I, in a lot of ways, I'm with you, Aaron, a lot of press clippings about Florida, mm-hmm. but do we really know who they're going to be? I mean, I, I it wasn't like last year you watched them and went, oh, man, they had some near misses and they should have been in the conversation. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, they just – they don't – I don't know. Is is Kyle Trask that guy? I don't know, man. He just seems like a pair of shoes in a lot of ways to me. But hey, that, that's just yeah. me. <laughs> we could spend a whole episode talking about our thoughts on Florida. So 
Well, we, we do have to talk yeah. about this. Can we talk about, and we're only making light of this because to my understanding, nobody got injured and nobody got hurt. It was only property damage, but there was a fire oh. at Ben Hill Griffin stadium and it actually came out that the fire started in a trash can. So it was a literal dumpster fire at <laughs> Ben Hill Griffin stadium. <laughs> like, maybe that's going to be foreshadowing for their season. I sure hope it is. I hope they go one yeah. and nine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So next game on the slate, another noon kick in the SEC is Kentucky and Auburn. A lot of people have this one circled as as one of the more compelling matchups. I feel like Kentucky has become kind of a, a media darling when it comes to the SEC media. Um, and obviously, Coach mm-hmm. Stoops has done great things there. But uh, you've obviously got a lot of experience with both of these programs, Aaron. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday uh, on the Plains? I do think this is my upset alert pick of the week. Um, for me, Kentucky, they, they've been on the rise um, the past few years. And I think I, I really like – I've been watching some film of them on defense. They, they, they've been getting a lot more gritty. I mean, originally people kind of thought – well, I know I personally thought Kentucky. I mean, they're a basketball school. That's what that's kind of what I was saying about them. But they, they've been improving and they've been getting better, um, a lot more physical too. Um, they got a guy on defense too that is is from my hometown, Yusef. Um, so I want to see him succeed. So I'm rooting for him, and I'm, I'm going to take Kentucky on this one. Plus, um, for me, Auburn, I just I don't like Auburn. Just runs that gimmicky offense, and I don't like it. I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. I don't really trust it that much. So I think I'm going to roll with Kentucky in the upset. What you got, boss? I hate myself. I'm taking Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I, they lost so much on defense but it's just t- the talent disparity on offense i just speed kills and on that on the edge they've got it for days i just i, I feel like auburn's gonna cover this one i think i'm gonna have to roll with aaron on this too i don't know if kentucky wins outright but i i like them to cover um we talked, boss. You and me talked about this on an on an episode when we were doing the season preview. Look, Bo Nix got a lot of heat on him, right? People people love Bo Nix, and, and like we said, he had a he had a just fine season for a true freshman in the SEC. I'm not trying to negate that or throw water on that. Okay, I respect it. Um, but my thing is, do they scare you on offense? Who's the guy you look at on their offense and go, "Whoo, boy, I don't know how we're going to cover him," or "Oh, I don't know what we're going to do with him." I just I, I don't know if they have that guy, and I don't think Bo Nix is a singular game changer at the quarterback position. I mean, I think he can do some good things for you, but I think he has got to have edge talent with him. I don't know, man. I just don't see it. And look, maybe I'm maybe I'm way off base. Maybe Chad Morris is the offensive guru they've needed back, and and he calls a great game, and and their defense just smothers Kentucky. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Aaron on this. I, I think Kentucky coach Stoops is going to have them ready defensively. And I think they can do some things on offense. You know, if, if, um, cause I mean, what the last six games was it last year? Lynn Bowden played quarterback. I mean, yeah. yeah. And they, <laughs> they still played well. Yeah. I think that speaks to the cohesiveness that they, they have as a team. And I always think this on a football team, if you can have some kind of ax to grind, some us against everybody. And to Aaron's point, they're basketball school, right? Nobody yeah. expected anything from us. 
So we're going to go out and mm-hmm. show everybody that we can play football in the bluegrass state. So I like that pick. I like them to cover. I think they could have be, be an interesting wild card in this season. All right, defending national champs getting their getting their debut um, against Mississippi State. LSU's favored by sixteen and a half in Death Valley. Aaron, what do you think about that game? LSU, they lost a lot. I mean, they lost a lot. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're magical quarterback who had the best season in LSU history gets drafted first overall and then you lose like three of your top receivers from last year but I still think I mean recruiting just plays such a huge factor when it comes to to these games I mean I mean they used to say it's about the Jimmys and the Joes not the X's and O's so um, I think LSU will for sure win this game I'm not 100% sold on, on the spread, but I just I just have faith that 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 Coach Oregon is going to get them prepared. So I, I will take them to cover the spread, though. I like that. What do you think, boss? I am going to take Mississippi State to cover strictly on Mike Leach. And I knew it. I knew it. I have been waiting to talk about this this tweet that I have saved in my phone since January 9th. And this is from Justin Ferguson. I don't know who he is, but this is his tweet from the day that Mike Leach was hired. Mississippi State was reportedly linked to both Steve Sarkeesian and Todd Grantham before hiring Mike Leach. That's like trying to decide between two different kinds of vanilla ice cream and then buying buying a grenade launcher. And that is the perfect <laughs> description of Mike Leach. And I don't think it's going to be this year, but I think that he is going to do great things in the SEC. And I cannot wait for there to be a true SEC media day between Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach on the same day. And if they do not do that, it is a national travesty. Yeah. That is a world-class tweet. It really is. I mean a world-class I have tweet. saved that in my phone since January 9th. So. so, Aaron, you'll laugh at this. There was a guy when the SEC schedules were released. We talked about it on our episode. We talked about the schedule release. They released the first week of games, and some guy mm-hmm. tweets out, how did the SEC manage to schedule seven Jefferson Raycom games in one week? <laughs> hey, it was so good. Oh, I love the grenade launch thing. I thought you were going somewhere like, you know, two kinds of vanilla ice cream and then getting Tutti Frutti yeah. or something like that. Grenade right. launcher, I like that better. Um, yeah, I really have no clue what to do in this game. Um, it always makes you nervous when a school is coming off of not just losing their best player at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. but to your point, Aaron, I mean, they're losing all that edge talent too. I mean, look, Thaddeus Moss had a big yeah. year last year too. So they're, yeah. they're thin yeah. at tight end. They're thin at wide receiver. Um, I mean, you know, it helps having Eric Gilbert come in, who's an absolute freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just feel like they're always going to be so loaded on defense. And I feel like those kids love Coach O. So I don't know. Mike Leach is like the wild card, right? Like you got the Mad Pirate coming in, and he's got KJ Costello, who's got a ton of Division One experience coming from Stanford. I don't know, man. It's an interesting number. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about Mississippi State on the defensive side, I guess, to to get too much of an mm-hmm. opinion on it. But I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with you, Aaron. I think I'm gonna roll with LSU to cover on that. But I, boss, I, I don't hate your pick, brother. I, I think that could be a real interesting Week One matchup. I think that's a fun little three thirty start. Um, all right, we're going to skip over the dogs game at four because we're going to do that one last because obviously save the best for last. Um, Alabama getting 26 and a half to they got to cover 26 and a half over Mizzou at Mizzou. I think I saw Mizzou's got 
something like nine or 10 guys out with COVID uh, tracing and all that kind of stuff. So Aaron, what, what do you think on this? You think Alabama covers this? Yeah. 26 and a half is not enough. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. What do you think boss? I think you're probably in the same boat. Half, it could be 40 and I'd still take Bama. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to see Mac Jones and I think we'll also see, um, what's the freshman's name? Bryce Young. Is that the yeah, freshman? Bryce Young. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think we'll see them both get some snaps in that game. I, I don't think that one's going to be close. Um, all right, uh, Boss and I were talking a little bit about this one off air, Aaron, just because the number's so big. But A&M favored by 30 and a half over Vandy. It's a big number. That is a huge number. I, I, it's, it's probably close. I don't know if it's 30 and a half, though. But, I mean, I, I have a lot more faith in Texas A&M than I do in Vanderbilt. What about you, boss? I'm rolling with A&M on this one as well. Um, I I agree with Aaron. Same reason. I have a lot more faith in A&M than Vanderbilt. A&M's had a lot of people opt out recently, but Vanderbilt didn't have the talent, and they had a lot of people opt out. So I, yeah. I think A&M rolls in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with y'all. I think I think in so many ways, I mean, he seems like an awesome guy, but this seems a little bit like a lame duck year for Coach Mason. Um, and, and they just, they do not have a lot of talent. I mean, God bless them. Yeah. Uh, we had a great time there. Uh, boss and I were there opening weekend last year in Vandy and had a lot of fun. And I thought that stadium was, was a different flavor for the SEC, right? Cause it's like small, mm-hmm. but, um, it was great from a spectator perspective, but, uh, yeah, I think Kellamon has a monster game, tries to launch himself into some national award conversations. Um, and you know, this is, I think uh, in a lot of ways too, it's Jimbo's put up or shut up here with A&M yeah. because they paid him a lot of yeah. money to come to college station. A lot. Yeah. So, um, I'm with y'all. I like, I like A&M to cover on that. This may be for me, the most interesting game of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee going on the road, um, to play South Carolina, and they're favored by three and a half on the road uh, at Williams Bryce. You've played there, Aaron. You've played against both those teams. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think happens in that one? I think it's it's gonna hurt South Carolina that they they're not gonna have their fans in it the way that they normally. I mean, it, it, it's a hostile environment. Though, what are, what do they? I mean, they have their own kind of terrible towels type yeah. thing going on there, uh, especially especially playing there at night. I know it gets crazy down there at night, um, but I, this is like a coin toss for me. Like I, it's it's hard for me to 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 pick one. If I had to, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with South Carolina. What you think, boss? I'm actually gonna go with South Carolina, not just to cover, but to win. Um, when they announced the grad transfer from uh, Colorado State coming over with Bobo, Colin Hill, I think his name is, when they announced that he was the yeah. starter, um, I know um, Helsinki, the soft now true sophomore, he's very talented. But the fact that they, you know, coming in knowing the system doesn't when you're installing a new offense and you bring in your guy that already knows your offense, that's huge, um, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah. So I think that that plays into South Carolina's favor a lot and. I, I, another guy that seems like he's been around forever, Guarantano. We've talked about him before. I just, I just, I cannot get behind him no matter what. I, no matter, you know, I want, I, I, I know I don't like Tennessee. Like I feel bad for the guy. He's been benched a couple of times. It's like, you kind of want to see those guys succeed, but at the same time, it's just like, I cannot, I, I just don't see it as an SEC quarterback. I just don't. 
So I'm glad you brought up Colin Hill. Uh, just happened to be scrolling the Twitter timeline before we came on. To, I was looking for something else, and I saw this tweet. I'd never, I'd not seen the kid in person before. So this guy posts his picture, and then the tweet underneath of it, all it said was, "If Jake Fromm and Gardner Minshew had a child," <laughs> and it is freaky, awesome. like. It's like one of those apps where they mesh two people's faces and this is what they look yeah. like. You guys have got to go check this tweet out. Like it was bananas. So that's all I'm going to be able to see when I see this kid on Saturday night is Jake and Gardner Minshew. But yeah, so that was funny. That made me laugh. Um, I guess I, I'm with y'all. I, I, I just, that Tennessee team, I feel like has gotten so much heat in the off season off of what they did mm-hmm. in the back half of their schedule. And I firmly believe the back half of their schedule was light. And I think they beat teams that they should have beat and teams that they were way more talented than. And then at the front end of their schedule, when they played teams that were talent-wise, either on par with them or better than them, they lost. And, um, yeah, I just I – don't, I don't know who they are. I will say this, and I would be interested to hear your opinion on this, Aaron, is Coach Pruitt's interesting to me because mm-hmm. he seems to be a guy that – and I, I thought this was an interesting part of Seth's book – that inspires guys that guys want to play for. And Mm -hmm. I think when you are a head coach in so many ways, it is less about what you are as a tactician and more about what you are as a motivator of men and getting a group of 85 to 100, 18 to 22 year old men to say, I'm all in for this guy. I'm behind him. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's any of that at, at anything to that at Tennessee with coach Pruitt? Like, what do you think? I agree. I agree. I think, I think, like you said, I mean, the head coach, I mean, almost every head coach is going to specialize in one, one side of the ball. Um, but it's like, you're, you're surrounded. I mean, if you pick your staff the correct way, you're surrounded by excellent coaches. Um, and they have that on their staff. Um, and so, I mean, they're, they're going to be the ones with the head coach to kind of put together great game plans. But as a head coach, I mean, it's about managing people, um, whether it's it, including your staff, the players, and then getting the best out of every single person that's in the organization. So um, I think a lot of that is going on. Uh, I think guys do gravitate to Coach Pruitt. I think I've seen that even this offseason with some of the recruiting that they've been able to pick up. So, um, I mean, I think they're they're moving in the right direction. I just – like you said, I'm just not a firm believer in, in, in their quarterback and what I've seen out of him so far. So that's that's really the reason why I'm going with South Carolina. Yeah, I think that's that's three three for, for SC, so we'll see. All right, this is the one, boys. We've been waiting all these months to see the, the fellas run back out and, and get rolling again. So dogs are favored by 26.5 over Pig Suey. We thinking they cover that? What do you think, Aaron? Once again, not enough. And, and I mean – uh, I think I saw it was like a DB from Arkansas who added some commentary about you know them possibly beating us. It's like you, that I, that just shows me where they are as a team because like you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, you want to be prepared. You he knows how much work he's put in, but at the same time, I mean, you don't want to give the other team more motivation, especially not the team that's been in the SEC championship <laughs> like the past three right. years. So it's like. Come on, just just go out there, play football. It's going to be different from everybody. You know that might give you an advantage, but I mean to give to give us extra motivation. Which I mean, guys, 
they're I mean they're they're starving to to, to hit somebody else. <laughs> um, but you know that that does not help out their case, and I, I think we'll win by more than twenty six. I think we'll win by at least thirty one. All right, I'm gonna ask you for a final score too. What do you think final score is gonna be? Final score, I would probably go with. Um, I think it's gonna be like a like a like a a, a forty five to seven. I like that. 45, 48 to seven. What yeah. do you think, boss? A dog's roll. I think the first quarter is going to be sloppy just because the new offense, new personnel, just new, new transition. And I think as soon as, you know, one thing clicks and the momentum gets rolling, I think it just, you know, it goes downhill quick. I, I could see it being like some of the games last season where the first quarter gets sloppy and then it's a 21, 24 point second quarter, something like that. Um, I have it. Uh, I was going to go 45-13, so because you chose 45, I'll go with something else. Um, Let's go 48-13. I'm with you all. I think the dogs roll. I I I don't know. I have this weird feeling that they are just going to come out like gangbusters on Saturday Mm -hmm. night. I think that that offense, just because I feel like – Maybe maybe I'm just biased because of the comments that Kyrus Jackson made this week about he got asked about the offense and he said it's going to be like nothing you've seen at Georgia in years. Mm-hmm. We're just going to come out and score a lot of points, and to come out and make a definitive statement like that when I feel like you have been appointed one of the leaders and Coach Smart has said you're who I want talking to the media. If he feels that good about it, I'm gonna tell you what I feel that good about it. So yeah. he's there every day. He's playing with his guys. I love that. I love that confidence. I love that swagger. I feel like in some ways we've missed that a little bit on offense, um, missed that juice and missed somebody just standing up and saying, yeah, we're bad. We're going to take everybody out. Y'all look out. And I'm, I'm all for it, man. I love that. And I just think, like we've talked about earlier, that defense is going to suffocate people. And I think that's going to put the offense in short fields. I think that's something that was not talked about a lot last year. You know, the receivers got hammered and they did not have a great year. I get all that. But we were in a lot of long fields last year. We did not have short fields, whether it be because lack of return game on special teams or D not turning stuff over, whatever it may be. Right. But we had a lot of 80 yard fields to work with. And I think when you're an offense and Aaron, you can speak to this as a defense, it's got to be a lot more difficult on defense to hold guys for 40 yards than it is for 80 yards, right, or 90 yards. And so very, very much so. I see a lot of that this year, and I think we're going to see a lot of that tomorrow night. Aaron, what do you what do you think about the quarterback situation? What do you think? I mean, I I, I am um I am so hopeful actually mm-hmm. that Dwan gets to play and gets mm-hmm. kind of to roll for a little bit because I just think his story could be magical in so many yeah. ways. Um, of all the kids to root for. And to get behind and be fired up for, I mean, uh, I mean, just incredible, right? The fact that he's even in the conversation after what, yeah. what he persevered through. And, um, I mean, just to see the short clips of the tape, I mean, mm-hmm. he looks electric. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on him? I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, I, I, I think – I mean, he has an excellent story, and you love to see that, um, the perseverance to, to be able to push through that and, and still make it out to where, you know, you're in a position to compete for a starting quarterback job at the University of Georgia. So that's wonderful um, for him. Uh, I'm, I I don't know. I, I am in the building now, but it's like I haven't been to any of the practices. Um, so I don't have any, like, inside scoop. I wish I did, but um, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think both guys will, will, will play. 
but I do think we should as a team kind of settle in on on a particular guy because I know just like when I think when Fields was here there was a lot of like you know okay Jake Fromm plays but then they throw on field here and there so it's like I think it's just hard for you know either quarterback to get into a rhythm to say okay hey this drive is yours and then the next drive is that person's I think you know once we figure out who that is and it may take this game to decide that um you know, whoever that is, kind of roll with them and 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 let them make their mistakes and, and move forward. That's a great that's a great point. I feel like to any athlete, but especially at the quarterback position, you know, if you feel like you're looking over your shoulder at all, mm-hmm. it's gotta affect you mentally a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't be as free. You can't just kind of let it rip. You're going, oh man, maybe I shouldn't throw this ball in this window because I might get yanked or yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about that, but that's a good point. Obviously the JT Daniels thing is interesting because we don't know if he's healthy, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a big if with that knee and um, with it being full speed for the first time. So who knows what's going to happen with that. But um, I'm really hoping that that Duan gets to play and just lights it up because, man, what a what a what a great story. And um, I agree. So cool for the kid. Well, um, what do you think for the full season, Aaron? What do you think the outlook is for the dogs? How do you feel about them for 2020 if we hopefully have a, you know, quasi regular 10 game season and, and all those things. I think we, we've been there every single year. Um, every year it's like, it's always either one or two games that set us back. It was really only been one, one game every year that's kind of hurt us in our position um, to where it's like, you know, we may have made it to the SC championship, but we already had that one loss. So then the years that we didn't win it, um, we found ourselves in situations to where we had two losses and though we were probably a better team than maybe some of the other ones that got in or, or better than some of the other ones that were in consideration. But because he had two losses, it's just, it's just tough to get in. But, but I, I really like what, what the direction we're going in. I, I see people having us predicted to lose Alabama. I think, fingers crossed, I'm hoping this is the year that we get them. Yeah. Uh, we've been going at them for a while, uh, in the games that are, are close every time um but we haven't been able to get to them but i really do i i, I think i i think i think dewan mathis will be this the quarterback and i think he'll prove to be really good and i, I think we can run the table i think we can run the table uh through the sc championship and then i would need to see you know who's out there to determine that but i think you know alabama is always a scary opponent to go against um and then the other two staples, which would be Clemson, Ohio State, you, you can never count those two out. And I know Trevor Lawrence, he's probably out for blood this year after yeah. uh, the way they lost last year. And, and Justin Fields, too. Justin Fields, too. He's a special talent. Um, and I know he wants it. I mean, he was calling out for weeks now. Uh, he wanted to play football. So they definitely want to take full advantage of this opportunity. Um, but I, I think I think we can run the table for the regular season. I love that. Boss knows I'm in for that too. I'm, I'm, I've been shouting that from every mountaintop I can shout mm. it from. I just, I don't know, man. I feel good about this team. I feel mm. like this is the culmination of Coach Smart's tenure so far. I feel like mm. he's got a roster full of guys that are, you know, the roster he envisioned, right? With mm. the size at certain positions and the the length and the speed at other positions. I just think it's set up really well. And I really do feel good about the leadership group on this team. I think it Mm -hmm. just had the opportunity to be special. Um, I just think it's going to be fun, man. And to your point about Trevor and Justin, I, 
I agree. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm so happy for both those kids yeah. because they have both been, I've just been so impressed with them for their passion for the game. Right. Mm-hmm. They both look, we all know they're going to be the number one and number two pick in the draft yeah. of all the people out there. They could have said, we're going to walk mm-hmm. and nobody would have been upset with them. Right. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been, I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but for those two kids to kind of be the voices they've been and to kind of just shout from the mountaintops, how much they love college football and want to play with their guys. I'm going to tell you what, if you're, if you're in charge of an NFL organization and you're scouting those two guys, you got to feel great about it. I mean, you really do. So yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I think it's good for everybody's soul with the, with the year that we've had so far um, for not just the players, but all of us too. Right. I mean, this is a, it's a beautiful thing to get to watch these kids do this and, the limited window they had to show their talent and, and capitalize on their dreams. So we're fired up, man. Well, look, Aaron, we're uh, it's always a pleasure to spend some time with you and hang out with you. Thank you so much for, for your insight. And we're certainly fired up for you and the, the next path you're taking in, in your awesome journey. And we know you're going to do awesome things. So thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed every time I'm here. So I really appreciate it. All right. Well, as we say every week, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. George is better now.